Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are 
wrapping up our last recording session here in Costa Rica for the season. Um, and then for the next, by the time you hear this, we will have been in the States for a few months, but we are recording this uh, beginning of July and then we're heading to the States to visit family during the uh, peak of the rainy season here in Costa Rica, where I won't be running surf camps during that time. So Sarah is excited to go visit everyone. Yes. Excited to escape the jungle fever. <laughs> I don't know. It's not <laughs> island fever. Costa Rica is not an island. But, you know, when you're in some place for a really long time, I kind of get antsy and ready to, ready to leave and go visit family and friends. So super excited for that. And today's interview, we made it through. Poor Chase is uh, a little stuffy with All a little right. cold. Still but. Like- Stella was on a roll when she first yeah. started preschool. Oh, yeah. She was getting all the germs mm-hmm. and then passing them to Sarah and I. And we were... We were... We were clear for a good, like, three months, I feel like. Yeah, we were pretty good. But, of course, right before we, you know, travel and we're busy, Stella's got a little cold. So, of course, we get that a little bit. But we made it through today's interview and we're excited to have Linda and Charlie Bloom back on the show. We interviewed them think it's been maybe three or four years now. And they're an awesome couple. They've been married since 1972. They're trained psychotherapists and relationship counselors and have worked with couples, individuals, groups, and organizations since 1975. So they know a lot about relationships. Yeah, it's awesome that they're in the work of psychotherapy and they have a 50-year marriage. So they... What do they say? They walk the talk, talk, yeah. walk the walk. Yeah. Talk the walk, walk the talk. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. But uh, yeah, and, and a lot of great knowledge in today's episode about why we shouldn't expect all of our needs to be fulfilled from our partner and how to navigate codependency and a lot of great information on something that's probably pretty common um, in a lot of relationships. So check that out. And as always, we love getting feedback from you guys, joining the Love Tribe group on Facebook. Check that out. And leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes, it really helps us grow the podcast, which helps us attract more sponsors, which allows us to continue to put this on. Because as we've mentioned before, it takes quite a bit of work, work that we love doing, but particularly Sarah is the one in the editing bay, messaging guests, getting people on the show and updating the website, show notes, you name it, she is making it happen. So if we can get sponsors that can help us pay a nanny to watch Stella so she's not yelling in the background or when she's in school and all the things that that allow us to uh, produce this show that we love to produce. So thank you for leaving those reviews and supporting our sponsors. We only put sponsors on whose products we believe in. A lot of times we use those products and if they pass on a discount to you guys, then that's awesome and it sounds interesting. Use it, try it for free a lot of times, and know that it is helping us uh, put on this show. So we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. 
To unlock a special offer only for ID podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Charlie and Linda. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be with you. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Today, we are going to zero in and talk about the myth that our partner is going to fulfill all of our emotional needs. I was under the impression that Sarah was just going to do everything. (laughs) And apparently, that is just not true. And we have come to find that in our relationship. And uh, we really want to just dive right into this because I think it's such an important realization that our partner is not going to fulfill all of our needs, all of our emotional needs. So let's deconstruct that and talk about how we can navigate this area of conflict. Why do we feel like our partner should be fulfilling all of our needs? Well, that's a great question. And I'd like to back it up just a little bit to a a more primary question, which is, what is it exactly that is the problem with having this expectation? And why is it that so many of us have it in the first place? Um, What we've noticed in the work that we've been doing, and we've been doing it with individuals and couples for a few decades, that in over time, it seems that uh, an increasing percentage of couples who have trouble seem to opt to leave the relationship rather than invest more time and energy into it. Um, and, and I kind of liken that to the whole idea of planned obsolescence, where when I was a kid and things broke down, uh, you know, we repaired them if we could, or we called in a repairman and we replaced parts and, you know, we, we, we worked on it. And um, as you probably know, that these days, uh, that's not so much the rule. That's the exception. Most of the time, um, if it's broken, then you don't fix it. You just get rid of it and then replace it. And that same attitude is prevalent in an awful lot of relationships where people seem to expect that the other person should be providing for their needs and for the needs of the relationship. And when they don't, rather than ask the right questions and, you know, really look at, well, what do we need to do here to fix this? There's this tendency to make the assumption that, well, we're just not a good fit. And and uh, because if we were, I wouldn't be dissatisfied with you and you wouldn't be disappointed with me. So it's best to just kind of call it quits and move on to uh, something or somebody else. So um, that is um, the whole idea that one person should be able to provide, if you have the right person for the needs that, that you have, is the problem. It's, it's that myth, that illusion, that when we really love each other, when two people really love each other deeply, then they won't need to take care of themselves in the same way. They won't need to rely on friends so much. They won't need to invest in other kinds of relationships because this relationship is going to provide for all of that. 
So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more, uh, a little later about, about what kinds of problems that can run into and how to deal with that if you notice that you have that expectation, which many people do. But I just wanted to kind of um, raise that, that whole issue of why it is that it's so important that we do begin to challenge this belief. Why do you think um, so many people have that mindset of just, you know, moving on instead of investing time into the relationship to fix it? Because when I look at my grandparents' generation, for example, there's a lot of those couples that have been married for, you know, 50 plus years. And it seems that they had that mindset of, you know, sticking it out and putting that work into the relationship to make it work. And now obviously, in current day, our divorce rate is over 50%. So where do you think that mindset has kind of shifted to just moving on to a next relationship versus investing the time into the current one? Well, I think that there's been a strong trend going back to the 60s where there was more freedom to make choices to leave a bad relationship. And I think that's a good thing. When women started to enter the workforce and were economically self-sufficient, they didn't have to stay in marriages that were really awful. And at about the same time, there was a loosening of the religious sanctions and community sanctions that made you bad and wrong for being a divorced person. And I think that that's a good thing, that there is more freedom of choice. But I think it's too much of a good thing that people, when they hit a rough spot in their partnership, too frequently bail when it is only a rough passage where they're learning something important about themselves and the other person, maybe tolerance, maybe acceptance, maybe some dark part of themselves they're projecting on the other person, maybe the lack of skills of negotiating for their needs or being emotionally honest. And we see a lot of people giving up on a relationship that has tremendous potential when they hit a hard place. And those couples that you're talking about, like your grandparents, Charlie and I are one of those couples who've been together 50 years. It's amazing. Congratulations. Yes, and we're really happy together, but we did have some times when the relationship was at risk. And both of us are so glad that we didn't bail out because we used all of that crappy stuff during that time as compost to bloom out of. And we learned so much in that process. So we, we try to encourage the couples in trouble who come to us to let their imagination be big, let their expectations be high, but pony up some intentionality to cause it and to take responsibility for being the change agent that will allow that breakdown to become a breakthrough rather than a breakup. If someone listening is having a breakdown and they're feeling like, their needs aren't being met. How do we distinguish between an area where we need to find that within ourselves? Maybe that's something we have to work on that we shouldn't feel we need to get 
that kind of love from our partner, whatever it is. How do we distinguish between that and that it's actually our partner that does need to come on board and help? Does that make sense? Well, it not only makes sense, but it is the most critical question that we can ask. Because depending upon the answer to that question, whether this is what we refer to as an intrapersonal need, that is a need that I am responsible for fulfilling within myself, or an interpersonal need, which is a need that can only be met in the context of relationship. Um, Depending upon what we assess the nature of that need to be, we're going to respond very differently than if it were the other way around. So, So an example of an interpersonal need, that is one that we cannot fulfill without the participation of another person in our life is a a need for uh, intimacy, um, a need for connection, um, uh, a need to have some sense of uh, togetherness, that I'm not alone, a need for external support, which we all need in various ways. We, we, we live in a, in a culture that really kind of demonizes the whole need for dependence. And so we have created uh, this milieu of hyper-independence in which people, particularly men, are, are, um, hold the belief that they should be self-made, that they shouldn't need other people, they shouldn't be dependent. Now, the thing is that we are, as human beings, we're social beings, meaning we are all interdependent. And interdependence is the third way of being other than independence and dependence. Dependence is when you're making other people responsible for needs that you have. and then you get into what is uh, the other dependency, which is codependency, where both people are expecting the other person to fulfill needs that they really need to be responsible for, like their own health, their own well-being, their feeling of wholeness, their, the results that they create in their own lives, that, that there's this um tendency that you know so many of us have is to project that responsibility onto other people or in the case of a committed partnership very often it's you know well you're responsible for providing for my material needs or for my financial needs or for my feelings of being um uh, a good person uh, my feelings of self-esteem so, so it really, that's kind of the way we see it breaks down in terms of really looking at what is my responsibility. It's really an issue of responsibility more than anything else. And what is it that we are co-responsible for to support each other in fulfilling some of those, those needs? And what would be some examples of places where we should be looking towards each other and that that's usually a positive thing? as opposed to areas where we need to be looking within. Well, when Charlie was mentioning to the inter 
personal needs. There are some needs that really can only be met by connection with our partner. Sexual intimacy and emotional intimacy are cornerstones of well-being of happy couples. If they've got that going for them, they can have differences in other areas. They can um, be autonomous. You know, they can have a lot of well-being, but there has to be a basic connection that works for them. And if one person is feeling deprived in the area of emotional or sexual intimacy, how they bring it to their partner's attention means everything. Because we're very easily shamed in these tender areas. And to acknowledge what is working and to sandwich that in the middle and what would be even better if, and to sandwich on the other side, the appreciation and the gratitude and the accent on what is working. But there's some uh, calibration that needs to be done a little bit different in this, a little bit more frequent in that. And when we do it, to do it in a graceful way, not in a way that the other person feels backed up or clobbered or accused or criticized. And we call this appealing to our partner's enlightened self-interest. This would be really important to me if you would listen to me about how essential and important this is. I know that we're going to feel closer. We're going to be in harmony. We're going to be on the same page. And I think we're both going to be so much happier. So it's finding that common ground and that common denominator and to become artful in the way in which we negotiate for our needs and enroll and enlist the support and cooperation of our partner. So emotional and sexual intimacy are great places to look for help from your partner, right? That That's kind of um, well-established here. What is an area that is common, commonly displayed as codependency that, that's going to create negative uh, emotions and in, in, in an unhealthy balance in the relationship if we're trying to seek something uh, from our partner in, in this particular area? Well, there's an awful lot of, of um, needs, and, and I want to just say a little bit in a moment about what we, how we define the word needs, because it's very distinct from desires and wants. Uh, but there are a lot of needs that we have that are commonly viewed as the responsibility of another person. That it's very often that we will project the responsibility for fulfilling some of these needs um, onto other people and then feel uh, disappointed, um, hurt, angry, resentful when they don't fulfill them. And, and we often don't express those feelings directly, which causes them to kind of go underground and create a divide in the relationship. But I want to, um, I want to just mention some of these needs that we have the responsibility for fulfilling um, on our own or interdependently rather than projecting that responsibility on, on another person. And you'll be able to see 
uh, and, and I think hopefully the, the listeners will be able to recognize whether they take responsibility for these needs themselves or whether they have the expectation that somebody else should fulfill them. So um, I want to first of all start with the, our physical needs, which is the needs for uh, sustenance. You know that we have our physical needs met to survive: food, water, shelter, protection. That's that's our responsibility. It doesn't mean, and this is an important point, that we alone have to provide that. But we're responsible for seeing to it that we have the security and that we are provided with the things that we need in order to flourish, in order to feel a high sense of well-being and fulfillment in our lives. Another one is um, related to that is, is the need for rest relaxation and rejuvenation. Um, now, when most of us think of our health, we think of two things, diet and exercise. But rest and relaxation and adequate sleep uh, have been scientifically, uh, through a lot of research, demonstrated that they are as important as food and exercise. So we're responsible for seeing to it that we get that. Um, the need for safety, security, and protection. That's our responsibility. Doesn't mean, again, that we, we do that all by ourselves. You know, we can do it in cooperation with another person. But, well, the point that we're trying to make here is not to project that responsibility onto your partner if you're in a committed partnership, but to accept the responsibility for at least participating in that process where we provide this together. Another one is the need for community and connection. Um, community and connection absolutely involves other people, but we are responsible for participating in our lives in a way that is going to make that uh, more likely for people to be predisposed to want to be in community with us. You know, what kind of a, what kind of a person do I have to be in order to be attractive to other people? who would want to, you know, connect with me in that way. Um, another one is the need for play. Play is not just for kids. Adults need to play, to have time that is specific to just being in the pleasure of the experience itself with no object other than enjoyment. The need for um, creative expression, that's another one. The need to have purpose and meaning in our lives. These are, these are all um, responsibilities that, that, that we have, the need for learning, growth, and challenge, and of course, the need for love. And it's not just the need to receive love, it's the need to be in loving relationships with people where there's reciprocity, where there's mutuality. How do I need to be as a person in order for me to be uh, compelling, attractive invitation to people who will want to be with me. So, so you know, these are, these are some of the things that people often project at least some responsibility onto their partner to provide. And when they don't, rather than step up to the plate themselves, they can get resentful. And you asked um, about codependence. And as you can see, these needs that we all have most of them can be met independently. 
that we don't need our partner to bring them to us on a tray. But codependents have an expectation that their partner is going to provide their happiness and their well-being and the feeling of safety. And even things like uh, play and challenge and friendship with other people and meaning. So it's moving on the continuum to taking a high level of responsibility. When both people in the partnership are doing that, then they're not having excessive expectation of the other person. Of course, we want the giving and the receiving of physical and emotional love to be present in the relationship. But so much of our well-being comes from outside the relationship. And it's important to preserve the well-being of the relationship by not overtaxing it and expecting so much of it that it squeezes the life out of it. And that's what codependents are doing. Codependents are too heavily invested in the relationship, doing it for them rather than strengthening themselves to take responsibility for their own lives as an individual. So that's a a piece of work for all of us to keep our eye peeled about when we may be expecting so much more without bringing the level of responsibility, intentionality, and commitment to take good care of ourselves and bring our happy selves to the par- partnership. Maybe there's a, a somebody who's listening right now who is uh, codependent with their partner and they're not aware of it. What kind of questions could a listener ask themselves to figure out if they're in that situation and how to start the dialogue to break away from that codependent relationship. Let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Native. Native creates safe, simple, effective deodorants that smell amazing and actually work. Chase and I live in a very hot and humid climate, so we need something that will keep us dry all day long and smell good. And I love smelling like their coconut and vanilla smell that they have all day. It smells so nice. Yeah, it's better than my natural body (laughs) odor for sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And another bonus is Native's clean and simple ingredients allow you to know exactly what's in your deodorant. Now that we know that aluminum may be linked to some serious health ramifications, including breast cancer and Alzheimer's, it's totally worth making the switch from conventional deodorants that contain aluminum to Native's aluminum-free deodorant. And it's not only us that loves Native. They have over 8,000 five-star reviews and have been showcased on the Today Show, Women's Health, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, and more. Try it risk-free with free returns and exchanges in the U.S. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code IDO during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com. Use the promo code IDO during checkout. Today's episode is also brought to you by our course, Spark My Relationship. 
You're listening to the podcast, so you probably want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner. And if you can do it in less than 90 days, even better. We say it all the time on the show, a mediocre relationship is easy, but a passionate, authentic, and satisfying relationship takes work. It doesn't just happen on its own. And that's why Sarah really did all the heavy lifting on this, you created <laughs> this course with the therapist that we've had on the show to really help you with the specific tools, exercises needed to create the lasting and positive improvements rather than just listening to the show and not really implementing them. This is a great way to have some accountability in a structured format to put the tools that we talk about on the show into practice. You can do this in 90 days, you can do it from home, and it is self-paced. So it is perfect for turning up the heat in your relationship, having some fun together, and really revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And like Chase mentioned before, we've worked with 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. And just some of those strategies are how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper, more intimate bond and strengthen your couple micro culture and future together. So for our listeners only, we are offering a special promo for the course. You can find it at sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, and you can access a special pricing just for you guys. So again, check out sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock for your special promo. Check it out. Don't waste <laughs> any more time. Do, Do it. it. <laughs> There are a few things that are really clear indicators about whether you're on the codependent end of the spectrum. One that is the chief indicator is that you're fuzzy about your boundaries. Do you know that you don't have a clear sense of what works for you or doesn't, or if you know what's clear, that you don't take a stand about it and say, this works for me and this doesn't. They have trouble saying no. No, I don't really want to do this now. No, I don't want to go to that restaurant. No, that wouldn't work for me to have your brother move in with us. Do you know that they, they don't stand up for themselves enough? And that's related to the issue of self-esteem, that their feelings of self-worth and their self-esteem hasn't really been developed enough yet to feel worthy to declare what will work and not work for them. That's why their boundaries are so hazy and so permeable in a, uh, in a not good way. And so if you notice that you have the earmarks of a codependent partnership, that you're not drawing the clear boundaries and you're ending up feeling resentful, you're ending up feeling taken advantage of or exploited or ignored, that your needs are not being listened to and met, that would be the indicator that you need to do some work with somebody who's a little farther along the path than you are. Because there's a lot of people who've done a lot of good work with it, and not just um, 
you could maybe go to clergy. You maybe have a family relative who could help you with it and to help you with your boundaries and to help build up your self-esteem. And you have to earn your way into graduating out of codependence. If someone listening feels like their partner is the codependent partner, how can they bring it up uh, with them to to move forward in, in solving these issues? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as a relationship with only one codependent person in it. <laughs> Codependence is um, an interactive process that requires participation on both sides. Um, if if one person is the overly dependent and the other person is enabling them to be um, dependent upon them. And there are certain advantages that, you know, we can get on either side of that equation from being the one who our partner turns to whenever they need any kind of help rather than turning more to themselves. And there are advantages to being on the other side um, where you don't have to be the one to figure out how to do things and to get the job done because there's you can always turn it over to the other person. And when both people begin to see that they have been colluding in certain ways to co-create this codependent relationship, and then they begin to see what it's costing them personally to indulge in this desire to be an enabler or to be dependent, overly dependent upon the other person, that there are real serious consequences to being in that kind of a relationship in terms of um, your your level of well-being, in terms of your level of resentment that can be uh, accumulated. Because whenever somebody is overly dependent upon another person, there's almost always a certain degree of resentment in that. We, we often tend to resent the person who holds that kind of power over us. Um, and the person who is uh, the one to whom that responsibility is projected and expected, um, no matter how caring and loving they are, we all have our limits. And at some point, they're inevitably going to begin to feel um, tired, used, resentful, um, and that's going to come out in various, usually indirect ways. So when people begin to see that, hey, we have co-created this system, uh, it seemed to be working pretty well for a while, but it ain't working so good now. And I don't like what it is bringing out in each one of us here. When both people see that, then it becomes much more possible to acknowledge that we have uh, a challenge here and we need to do some work here on ourselves. It's not so much we need to work on the relationship. It's more that we need to do the work that each one of us needs to do in order to balance um, our own dependent needs and um, interdependent needs within ourselves. We need to, to do that. And that will automatically shift the balance in the relationship. So once uh, a couple has established that they are codependent and they're willing to put in the work to develop and nurture other relationships to help satisfy their needs, I'm sure at that point, a lot of boundaries or discussions or 
um, things will need to be put in place um, now that the relationship will, the dynamic will be really completely different. Do you have any advice for people at that position of the relationship? Yes. We often encourage couples to have regular check-ins. When you're in transition, so many feelings are going to come up. When a person has been in a more closed system and then you start getting in a men's group and a women's group and you're spending time with other people and the system is starting to open up, there's often a feeling of threat, jealousy. You know, maybe she's going to fall in love with somebody else. Maybe he's going to, you know, fall in love with somebody else. I might get left. And maybe they're going to get some ideas from somebody else that could be threatening to what we have. And so we always encourage people to check in regularly and in a very responsible way, not in an accusatory way, um, to speak about their own tender feelings, their own fears, their own jealousies, their own pain. And when they spend time with each other without answering the phone, without the TV on, turn off the tablets and the computers and, and don't, you know, don't let yourself be distracted. You are meeting with each other for the intention of connecting and you check in with yourself. How am I feeling? What's going on with me? And you report out in a responsible way. You don't act out. If you're irritated or resentful or angry at the partner, you don't try to get them to change back to when you felt more secure. The relationship is going to go through some growing pains. And I always tell people once a week is minimal. Every day is not too much when you're making modifications and remodeling your relationship. Because it's going to bring up some uncomfortable feelings and for you two to be aware of what's going on in you and to outflow about that and to be aware of what's going on with your partner. They maybe have different fears than you have, but that you can soothe each other while you're transitioning into having a bigger, fuller, richer life. I love that you gave the example of or that you you mentioned that talking every day is not too much because so often when you're going through these big changes, you want to talk about them. And if you can't, you can kind of feel like your feelings are being repressed and that can negatively affect the relationship. So I love that you mentioned that because that's something that Chase and I try to do. And hopefully our, our listeners uh, will try that as well. Yeah. Um don't underestimate the power and the value of checking in on a frequent basis. And it doesn't have to be anything really elaborate or time consuming. Um, it's basically just like Linda said, checking in to yourself. First of all, say, where am I? What's my mood right now? What's up for me? What's in my thoughts? What, what, what kind of feelings am I having right now? You know, just kind of, being aware of what's there and then and then honestly without filtering or censoring it just letting your partner know and and a check in primarily is really just looking within yourself to see who's showing up right now and what's showing up right now 
and then giving that information to your partner. And that that is basically the the source and the foundation of true intimacy. And five or ten minutes can go a long way. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an hour or more. No. Sometimes people are afraid to have check-ins because they think they're going to get into a big rigmarole well, and it's going to be very emotional and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be lengthy and not necessarily. Well, but if it, you stay abreast of yes, the issues. Exactly. And exactly. You, you may you have to put more time in for a while if you've got yeah, a big backlog yeah, of incompletions right. of the things you haven't dealt with. But if you stay on top of them, it doesn't have to take long. Once you clear out all of the incomplete stuff that needed to be communicated but never was, then you, you've got you know a pretty much open playing field there that doesn't require a lot of time because you've handled the stuff that has accumulated in the backlog. If people really understood how frequent check-ins would enhance the well-being of their relationship, they wouldn't delay. <laughs> they'd get right on it, and they'd make it a regular feature of their relationship because this is what really high-functioning couples are doing. They don't let things accumulate. The reason that most people don't check in often enough, and the reason that they choose not to, and it's not, you know, everybody has enough time to. So that is, you know, just forget that excuse. You know, we're busy. We've got kids. We've got jobs. Everybody does. Everybody's got responsibilities and commitments. And yet some people who have very, very full lives manage to find the time to do it when other people whose lives don't seem to be quite as full can't do it. Uh, just as an example, in our, our second book, we interviewed a couple that had 13 children. And um, uh, nine of them were still living at home. Four of them were living outside of the home, but they were living close by. Um, and they each had full-time careers. Um, so, so, I mean, uh, <laughs> you think you don't have enough time. Read <laughs> chapter nine in our book. And, uh, and this, this couple will put, help you to put things in perspective because they checked in every day. Mm-hmm. They asked to be disguised. So when you read the story in Secrets of Great Marriages, it says they have 12 children, but they actually had 13. Jeez. Wow. Well, <laughs> the disguise is broken. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find. That is absolutely true. When Charlie and I interviewed them, we interviewed them in person. And when we left after the interview, we looked at each other. And we said, we will never, ever say that we don't have enough time to devote to our relationship again. And that was 10 years ago. And you know what? I haven't said it since. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a great way to wrap up. And some great homework for Sarah and I and our listeners is when something's really important, we make the time for it. So unless you got 14 kids, you know, then send, send us a message. And, but, uh, We'll give you a pass if you have yeah. 14 kids. <laughs> yeah, at 13 and under, you can get it done. And and it is important, and it's not easy to do, but anything in life, I believe, uh, that is worthwhile, uh, it's worth taking the time. And sometimes it's a little bit hard, 
in the moment, but in the long run, it's going to be a great thing for your overall happiness in your relationship. So thank you so much, Charlie and Linda, for coming back on the show. Let's wrap up with having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, your latest book, and then we'll say goodbye. Yes. If they go to www.bloomwork.com, that's singular. It's not Bloomworks. It's bloomwork.com. And they will find us with a bunch of videos. We have Facebook Live. We have YouTube videos. And they can get a lot of free material on our site that will enhance their relationships. And there, a bunch of it is on emotional intimacy and uh, recovery, breakthrough from codependent patterns. And we love it when people get on our email list. We send out a newsletter once a month, it's a booster shot of inspiration for how to make their relationships as best as they can possibly be. Wonderful. Well, we'll have the link to your website on idpodcast.com as well as on the podcast episode description. And again, thank you so much for coming back on the show. It was a wonderful interview. And thanks again. Well, we're glad to be here. And you asked about our most recent book and book number four was That Which Doesn't Kill Us, How One Couple Became Stronger at the Broken Places, which is our memoir. And our new book that will be out next year is going to be on conflict management. So thank you for inviting us. Had a good time. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you were listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.